Hello, and welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. Whether you're here to learn about the root causes of depressive-like symptoms, wanting to know more about alternative solutions, or you're a biohacker looking to optimize your mental health and brain, this podcast is for you. I am Dr. Achina Stein, and I will be your host on your journey to resolving depressive-like symptoms and optimizing your mood. You're listening to the What If It's Not Depression podcast, hosted by Dr. Achina Stein. Welcome to the What If It's Not Depression podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Achina Stein. I'm going to be interviewing Robin Ray Green, who is a master in the art of pediatric acupuncture and one of the world's leading experts in that field. She provides training for acupuncturists and licensed health professionals to be successful in helping children. We need more of you. As a pediatric and family health specialist at Detox Rejuvenation, she helps children address the root causes of their chronic illnesses when Western medicine isn't enough. Robin has shared the stage with notable speakers such as Dr. Eliza Song, Dr. Roseanne Kapana-Hodge, JJ Virgin, Dr. Steve Cohen, Katie Wells of Wellness Mama and others. She is the best-selling author of Heal Your Child from Inside Out, The Inside Out, The Five Element Way to Nurturing Healthy, Happy Kids. This Hay House published treasure offers practical tips for parents seeking lasting solutions to their child's health issues. Welcome, Robin. And if you like this episode, please click the like button and subscribe to my channel. Welcome, Robin. I'm so happy we were able to pull this together and talk about children and the functional approach getting to the root causes of childhood illnesses. Tell me how you got into treating children. That's a great question. And thank you so much for having me on your show. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely delighted to be here. And my story started with my son when he was an infant, he had a severe case of eczema mm -hmm. and my pediatrician sent us off to the specialists and we, we really didn't find any solutions or answers. And I was told that, oh, don't worry, he'll outgrow it. And as a parent, that type of fatalistic approach just wasn't enough for me. And I went on an odyssey to heal my son and in the process really found my calling to help other children who are struggling with so many different chronic contemporary childhood illnesses. Yeah, you know, I had a similar issue with my son uh, when he was a baby. He had very severe eczema and severe constipation. Uh, mm -hmm. And he never grew out of it. <laughs> it only got worse. But I remember when he was four years old, he thought he was, oh, well, we told him that he was, he was part dinosaur because he was really into dinosaurs oh. <laughs> because his hands looked so wrinkly, uh, you know, from, from the eczema, that's how bad it was. And so, yeah, and all of that resolved once we, you know, got to the root causes. And so that's what we're here to talk about. And the, one of the reasons why I wanted you on um, my show is because children are tough to treat. In, in, in some ways, they're easier to treat because they haven't had this long history of year upon year upon year of things happening to them. Uh, and a lot can actually shift uh, just by changing the diet. 
and uh, by you know treating whatever root causes that there are, and because they are so young and their system is pretty pretty healthy in terms of functioning, it's just a matter of making switching up a few things. But it's so hard to do that with kids with food because they're picky eaters, or if we're giving them supplements, it's hard for them to swallow, or it's not doesn't taste right. So I know you have some tricks of the trade that I would love for you to share with us. But let's start from the beginning. Let's talk about the root causes uh, that you see of contemporary chronic childhood illnesses. That is such an important place to start because we're really seeing epidemic proportions of pediatric ailments these days. There's, it's almost setting up a play date is like having to give a medical history and instructions on an EpiPen and allergies and all of that. I remember that happened with my son. He was in eighth grade and went over to a friend's house and you know, his mom so politely called me to make sure he could eat certain foods and was it okay if he had this and that. And while I really appreciated her attention to that detail, it was a stark reality realizing that this is so common, that kids are, have so many struggles these days that we have to we have to have these conversations. When 40 or 50 years ago, like you just didn't even think about it. Your kids just went over, they just played, it was no big deal. Right, and right. so when I was writing my book, I really went down the rabbit hole, what is going on? With, with our children. And I started writing about all the toxic exposures that children have from things like, you know, as mothers, part of what we do, I learned this from my, one of my mentors, Sinclair Keneally at Detox Rejuvenation, is that there's this process called maternal fetal toxin exchange, where a mother actually offloads some of her heavy metals and toxins to her fetus um, as like a protective mechanism. And so our children are really starting out the gate, you know, behind with, with just a really heavy body burden. And that makes it so that any other toxic exposures that they have later on in life, uh, they can really add up very quickly. And then there's just this one event, it could be an illness, it could be a vaccination, it could be something, and it just is a triggering event. And it triggers, it could trigger eczema, it could trigger a regression of you know, milestones that they've had. Um, so it could trigger a variety of things. And sometimes it's very obvious and other times it just sort of creeps in. But then, you know, we're looking at several different types of toxins too. It's um, heavy metals, um, industrial toxins, uh, glyphosate, which is Roundup, which is used on wheat products and even organic wheat products that they use it as a desiccant to dry out the wheat so they can get an increased yield. And so all these little exposures just add up and our children are really struggling as a result of that. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, there are, have been studies that showed that there's over 250 chemicals in the cord blood, right? When a baby yes. is born, I mean, it's just, you're right, right from the gate, right out of the gate, uh, you know, they are already, um, have, having to handle all sorts of chemicals that really shouldn't belong in a ba little baby's body at all. Exactly. And their, their pathways of excreting those toxins can get really bogged down 
and it can be difficult for them to, to excrete them. And so the body has to squirrel them away to protect the vital organs. And that's often what you'll see like with, with both of our boys with eczema is there's usually a toxic burden there that the body's doing its best to try and deal with, but it, it's gonna come out somewhere. And it's a lot of times it'll be the skin um, and it's gonna affect our guts and our brains as well. Right, absolutely. So what other root causes do you find besides toxins? Well, a lot of it is has to do with the, the toxins then affecting our gut. Mm-hmm. And that affects, you know, our, our um, lining of our gut, it makes it permeable. And then we, we see children developing food sensitivities, and things like dairy and gluten and corn and soy and other common triggers, then it makes it, you, know, you start to notice behavioral changes. If your child eats certain foods, they start to be more reactive or more, you know, having more tantrums or more, you know, acting um, like they, you know, they might have more depression or s- symptoms of anxiety. And you'll often find that removing those foods will help improve the child's mood and behavior and ability to focus. Right, right. And it's not just foods, it's also sugar, right? Yes. Artificial flavors, there's certain dyes that trigger certain children, uh, red dye and blue dye. Uh, There's certain specific dyes that are very triggering compared to other dyes. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there is a whole list, but sugar is a big one. <laughs> MSG. Yeah. yeah. So some of these additives that are put in foods can absolutely trigger children uh, for behavioral issues, uh, agitation, meltdowns. Uh, so yeah. yeah, the sugar in particular is a big one. So, and there's tons of sugar in our food, especially yeah. the processed foods. Yeah. Absolutely. And what's interesting about sugar, what I noticed with my clients is that when we remove sugar from the diet, oftentimes they sleep better. And when they sleep better, that normalizes or it, you know, it, it regulates their behavior better. So for instance, um, I remember having a client when they took their child off of sugar and, you know, for many kids, when they're sleep deprived, it will, they'll look hyperactive. It has, it has the opposite effect. So we saw significant changes in behavior just by removing sugar and really cutting back. Even too much fruit sugar can be a problem for some kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What are what are some tips that you have for parents to do in, in terms of reducing toxicities? Right. Well, it, the number one tip I have for parents is you have to get your child pooping. Mm-hmm. That's like number one. We, we, there's a very strong connection between the gut and the brain, but the, in, in terms of excreting toxins, we say the brain drains last. Mm-hmm. So we have to start with the gut. And if we're, we're not pooping, you know, and you're, you've got toxins backing up, it's like trying to flush a clogged toilet. So mm-hmm. we really need to get the child pooping and we want to, you know, depending on their age and not, I'm not talking about like infants or newborns, but once, you know, they're like toddler age and above, we really want to see them having two to two bowel movements a day at a minimum, um, without straining, without it being difficult. Um, it should be easy. So that's, that's a first place that we start is getting kids pooping. And when I point out the, the pooping behavior connection, most parents 
um, start to pay attention to that. And, you know, we kind of like lose touch with how much our kids are pooping after a certain age. Like once we're not changing their diapers anymore, right. you know, it's usually not a common question to be like, oh, did you poop today? And so sometimes our kids can go three, four, seven, 10 days without a bowel movement and parents will notice an uptick in, you know, unwanted behaviors and mood. And so once we start checking in and getting our kids pooping, you'll see a lot of improvement right away just with that one step. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Good. That's a great tip because you're right. People don't necessarily keep track of their children's pooping schedules right. uh, or even looking at them. Yeah. Looking at the, the, what kind of poop it is. Is it diarrhea? Is it, it are they little balls, you know, yes. uh, or having yeah. that conversation is really important and just changing the diet can absolutely change the way their poop lo looks right yeah. off the bat within a couple of days. So, yeah. It's quite yeah. remarkable how changing the diet and getting out, getting rid of the artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, Mm -hmm. um, and getting them eating more fiber and fruits and vegetables. Not, it, not only does it change the bowel movements, but it's also changing the gut microbiome at the same time, Absolutely. which is so important and so amazing that it can happen that fast. It absolutely can within weeks, actually. Uh, and the, the best way or the fastest way to change that microbiome is vegetables. Yes. <laughs> Eating a wide variety of vegetables is the fastest way to diversify your microbiome. And the more diverse it is, the healthier you are. Yeah. 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 So let's move on to, I'm, I'm really curious about this five element personality types and how they, uh, this can help parents understand their child better, uh, that you have this method of sort of typing them. Let's talk more about that. Yeah. So in my book, um, I talk about the five elements, which in Chinese medicine, that is a, a way of looking at the world. It's a, it's a paradigm that allows us to understand relationships mm -hmm. and how, um, how things interact. And we can apply it to many different things. We can apply it to food and we can apply it to um, the weather, to the seasons, but we can also apply it to our child's personality and temperament. Mm -hmm. And this informs their, their five element personality type informs their way of being in the world and how they interact with their environment. And the five elements are fire or excuse me, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. And they go, they're on a continuum. So at the, at the one side of the continuum, you have wood and fire, which are very active in Chinese medicine terms, we call it yang. It's like, they're hot, they're active, they're demanding, they're intense. They're, they're usually very goal oriented or, you know, outgoing extroverts. And then on the other end of the continuum, we have metal and water and they're more, they're like more subdued. They're in what we would call yin. So they're more quiet. They're more cold. They're more subdued. They tend to be, um, you know, just easygoing kids tend to go with the flow. And then right smack in the middle, we have earth, which has a lot of both qualities. So they can be very difficult to figure out their element type because on some days they look very, very wood and fire. And on other days they look very, very, you know, metal and water. And so they, they fall into the middle and um, they're very loving kids and very driven by um, relationships and, and connection. So each element type has strengths. They have um, weaknesses. They have 
ways that inform their behavior. And as parents come to understand their own personality type and then their child's personality type, suddenly those conflicts that come into play, like, you know, if you have a very driven mother who's very outgoing and she likes to go, 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 and she loves to entertain and have people over and she has a water child, right? That's me. me. (laughs) Yes. And then you have a child who's say a water type, who's very much like, loves to be at home. They're a homebody. They don't want to go out (laughs) running errands. The the thought of having to be around people for hours at a party sounds like, you know, a terrible idea. (laughs) It it can obviously lead to some some friction there. Absolutely. You just described my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like this epiphany when parents realize, oh, she's a water type. She needs her time alone in her room to recharge. Mm -hmm. And she'll come out at the party for like an hour and say hi to everybody and go in the corner and just talk to a few people. And then she's done Mm -hmm. and she needs to be alone and realizing that's not to insult her parents or be willfully defiant. It's just part of who she is and what she needs. Or rude. It's, you know, sometimes people might perceive that as being rude. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And water children tend to be really um, shy Mm -hmm. and they take a while to like open up and they have to feel like safe. And uh, that can also look like, you know, you you can kind of be embarrassed by your child's behavior. Like, why are they acting like that? And it's just trying to give them the right space to help them um, lean into what they need to open up and be social with others and giving them the right guidance that's going to support them instead of making them feel bad about who they are. Exactly. And uh, accepting them just as they are. Yes. They're different or that they're just, there's all kinds of people in the world and this is just one type and they're just not like you a hundred percent. It's so fun because as parents read through, a lot of times they will share the different personality types and, and say, what do you think of you know, they'll list off some characteristics for the water type or the earth type or whatnot. And children are like, yeah, that's me. Oh, and that's my best friend. And I think it can lead to some self-acceptance as well, because it's like, you know, I, I'm a metal type. That's my dominant element. And my best friend growing up was a fire type. So she was always so outgoing and always had a million friends and always just like the life of the party and being metal, you know, I was more shy and always had a small circle, very, very close relationships. Mm-hmm. And once I really understood that our element types, it was like, oh, well, of course I'm never going to have that because that's not who I am. And, and we're going to have different experiences and that each one is okay. Right. Right. And, and it, you might even realize, I don't even want that, Yeah, uh, but exactly. you might think that you do because you have this idea that you should. <laughs> Right, right. Right. Yeah. But when you really look at it, it's like, that's not me. (laughs) Right. That's exactly, that's a great connection to make. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Really, really cool. I love that. Yeah. So, and then, so besides uh, the, um, the book, uh, we, uh, I, I really wanted to also talk about the types of toxicity that is um, a huge root cause of anxiety and depression. You know, just what we talked about can also lead 
to anxiety, some symptoms of anxiety and depression, just the lack of self-acceptance or lack of understanding, the lack of your parent not understanding you, the lack of communication or poor communication. So it sounds to me that your book would really help to improve that. But there's also, we talked a little bit about toxicity before, you know, I think, you know, tying that in the types of toxicities that are, that can cause uh, anxiety and depression as well. I'd love to, for you to touch on that as well. Right. So, I mean, it really, what, what we're finding is a lot of kids have very high glyphosate levels hmm. and glyphosate, as I mentioned earlier, is the ingredient in Roundup. It's used on, um, on like Roundup ready crops. And uh, the unfortunate part is that glyphosate has gotten into our water cycle and if it's sprayed onto say a playground where children are playing and that water, they go in the morning and they're playing on the grass and that water is evaporating, not only can they get it from their food, but they can actually get it in their sinuses as they're inhaling that evaporating water. So we're getting exposures to glyphosate, not just traditionally through, you know, the, our exposure to our foods, but in other ways as mm -hmm. well. And, you know, clients that live say on a golf course where there's a lot of glyphosate usage can be very, very problematic and, and impact the brain um, and create a situation where it, it becomes very difficult to, the brain becomes inflamed and that can drive a lot of sensory behaviors, a lot of uh, emotional like anxiety and depression and also learning problems. So uh, difficulty with memory and focus, which is, is, you know, that's one of the major things that we look at we also look at heavy metals and industrial toxicants. So we're looking, you know, we've, we are well into the chemical era. There are a hundred thousand chemicals in our environment. Many of them, we don't know where we're exposed to them um, or, or what exactly the mechanisms are in our body because we just don't have this data. But we do test like a hundred different industrial toxicants we do test for heavy metals and things like aluminum. And we find that across the board, there are high levels of these various toxins. And it's no wonder these kids are struggling with so many issues today because the body just is not evolved to handle that type of toxic load right. on top of what they're already coming into this world with. Exactly. Yeah. It takes years and years for your body to be able to catch up and learn how to remove these toxins. But every year the uh, companies come out with more and more new chemicals on, on the market without necessarily being required to test for safety. Um, there, are certain, there are certain standards, but uh, the, the US in particular doesn't necessarily look at the, accum the cumulative effect yeah. of all of the different toxins. They might look at individual toxins uh, and have certain parameters about how much is considered unsafe, but not the cumulative effect because that cumulative effect is what really affects the body. And they don't practice the precautionary principle like the, the um, EU does. Um, right. So you have to prove that it's safe in the EU before you can have it uh, uh, marketed from my understanding. And that's not necessarily the case uh, here in the US where you have to prove that it's dangerous and it's right. comes uh, at the um, 
after multiple complaints <laughs> from consumers about a product before it's even considered as a possibility. Um, yeah. So, which is a shame. It really should be the other way around. It should. Um, and I just, but I just want to give parents out there hope that it's fixable. Like mm -hmm. even if you've been exposed to a toxin or you have high levels of glyphosate or aluminum or heavy metals that with the right type of detoxification support and the and layered and done in the right order it is absolutely possible to to remove safely and excrete these toxins so that that your child's body's healing mechanisms become unblocked right and they can blossom and become who they are and your child can come back to you when these root causes are addressed. Mm -hmm. And it is such a beautiful thing to watch happen because it it's really changes the entire family's life when we get to these root causes because they the the body is so amazing and it can it once it's once these toxins are removed, it can absolutely begin to heal. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I have always been concerned about is the perfect lawn. <laughs> you know, having the perfect lawn in order to have the perfect lawn with one type of grass that's homogeneous is usually because of lots of pesticides and herbicides and um, seeds and uh, that and chemicals, all sorts of chemicals to to make it look that way uh, that uh, I decided to eliminate all that so that our children uh, can run around in the backyard barefoot and not have to worry about absorbing these chemicals through their feet and or or through their bodies if they're laying on the grass or playing on the grass and so we had the dandelions and all the weeds and, and moss and all sorts of uh, weeds in our lawn and, you know, our, fortunately we're in a type of neighborhood that the, you know, other families didn't really care, uh, but, uh, I, I thought it was safer. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, that's a great question. And I think that that's what you're talking about are just when we start to really look at, okay, what, what am I, what are my values? Like, do I value a green lawn or do I value my children like limiting exposures to unnecessary chemicals. Mm -hmm. And it's sometimes it's just a matter of like waking up to the realization that like, I just didn't even realize that right. what I was doing to my lawn was impacting my kids. Right. Yeah. And, and um, you know, sometimes that wake up call comes um, like from, from a problem that ar arises. And I remember when we were selling our house, and they came in to fix our back lawn because we had kind of let it go with the drought and everything. And they had just done this whole thing with Roundup, you know, just to like kill it. And I was horrified when I found out I didn't, I wasn't a part of the whole decision-making process. And my hair started to fall out after that exposure. Like Gosh. I had, like, it was just terrifying. And you know, that was one of those wake up call moments of like, I really need to be like looking at every what is, what is coming into my house? Where was the source? Right. Not so that I could freak out over everything or be, have anxiety over toxins, but just so I could start making healthier choices, you know, one by one and, and just chipping away at the level of exposure in a way that is healthy for mm -hmm. our family. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're pressed for time. I want to make sure that we talk about 
ear seeds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, ear seeds. That's really cool. I would love for you to tell us what they are. And, and I understand they're to help um, stimulate the vagus nerve and uh, get people into parasympathetic mode and that it, it really helps to improve attention and mood symptoms in, in children as well as adults. Tell us, tell us about that, those things. Yes, great question. So ear seeds are, they're a little tiny bead. They're made, they're made with a tiny seed. That's like the traditional way of making them. Or today we have little gold or silver beads on a tiny little piece of adhesive tape. And what it does is it applies a low level of continuous pressure to uh, the ear, which has all these nerve endings from your, your like a branch of the vagus nerve um, it innervates the ear. And what that the vagus nerve does is it, you know, it uh, travels all throughout your body. And um, it, one of its jobs is to turn off our stress response and get us into parasympathetic um, state, which is resting, relaxing, digesting, sleeping, and so on. Right. And so what the ear seeds do by applying that low level of continuous pressure they actually turn on your vagus nerve, help us with stress, anxiety, uh, focus. And it's what I love about it is you put them on and you can set it and forget it. You can just put it on. Like I would have in my acupuncture practice, the kids would be, they liked them so much. They would, they would not let their moms take the, take the seed off. They would um, come back a week later and they would still have the ear seeds on. And I would say, no, you can't wear them for seven days straight. Cause your ear does need a little break, but you can put them on for, you know, two or three days and get them on your ear. And it just, balances the nervous system and it's very calming and um, there are various points that we use specifically for stress anxiety for focus and they they support whatever else our children are doing to address those issues that's awesome and also adults but as well you said uh, you had some adult clients that were using the ear seeds and found them to be beneficial so i would love to learn more about that but what i the reason i was so interested is because it's tough like i said to uh i don't know if we said this earlier (laughs) in the episode or offline but that's really tough to get uh kids to change their diet which is really really helpful in in shifting their bodies and their minds uh, because they can be very picky when it comes to eating. And it's tough to get supplements in them because sometimes they can't swallow pills or, or they don't like the taste of the powder or the liquid. And so if there's any intervention that's outside of supplements and food, I'm always interested, uh, you know, especially if we can apply it to the skin like magnesium oil to the feet is a great, you know, or a magnesium cream or, you know, some creams, anything that you can apply to the outside of the body. And it is not required to be put down a throat. Right. right. Yeah. Yes, so exactly. yeah, the ear seeds and, you know, in some of the acupatches that you've, uh, you have talked about are, are really, really helpful. So I would l- love to share a link for the audience to learn more about these products so they can explore and learn more about them. And that'll be in the show notes. And I know that, um, People can find you at your website, robinraygreen.com. And you're also on Instagram at pediatrichealingarts. 
Uh, if you want to find her on Instagram and learn more about what we discussed and even working with Robin, uh, if you have a child that has some of these issues. And, um, and did you have something to share? Uh, uh, I think you were going to have me uh, share um, something that you're going to forward that to uh, me, something, some free product or free uh, download or Right. I think the, the, the greatest thing I could share with parents is mm -hmm. the, if they're curious, if toxins are part of their child's picture mm -hmm. is head over to robinraygreen.com and take the pediatric toxicity quiz. And Great. that will give you some idea of if that's part of your child's picture and how to proceed from there. Great. So that's robinraygreen.com forward slash is there a uh, flash? Um, just, it's, it'll just pop right up when you're okay. there. Oh, yeah. excellent. excellent. <laughs> I'll just give them your website and it'll pop right up. That's great. It's great to take some quizzes to, to help inform, you know, what it, to sort of get a, a bird's eye view or landscape of at least toxicity in their children. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. It's wonderful. Well, I really, really appreciate your time, Robin. And uh, I know that we rushed to this interview because you had an emergency with your dog and I hope your dog is fine. Um, but I, I will, I look forward to seeing you in person um, at some future conference and uh, I appreciate your time. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. I hope that you will join me in the future. If you are interested in working with me, please go to www.achinasteindo.com to book a discovery call. There you may also download for free the first three chapters of my book. I hope my work enlightens you, gives you hope, and moves you forward on your journey to a better mood and fulfilling life.